to see him have the confidence to step up, take that kick, mind you, from 42 out. Oh. Like, absolute crackery, Stone absolutely cold, slotted hey. it. Um, but he was so humble in that post-match interview, and I love that he said, Brooksy played great today, Yeah. so let's get off his back for a week, hey? G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another week of Blokes and Their Balls here on the A Lot to Talk About Network. Of course, it is the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra. You can call me Brad. And in the company, in the great company of the resident sports guy of A Lot to Talk About, we call him The Undertaker. You might call him Wellesy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jed Wells. Good morning, everyone. Yes, what a fine Friday morning it is to delve into some excellent sports that we saw this week. Tell you what, we're getting some consistency. We're hitting a bit of a lick, aren't we? Boy, are we. We're, um, you know, we had a few rough weeks there, but we're fucking on now. We're right in the middle of the league season. The NBA's getting interesting again. A bit of combat going on, just to tickle your fancy if that's your thing. It's all happening. And always some off-season NFL. Um, just <clears> a quick update. Our old mate, Duff. Where's he at the moment? Duff isn't here. He's at home mourning the loss of the Charlotte Hornets season, I believe. Mm. He's got the got the blinds closed. He's under the blanket. He's got the Kleenex next to him. It's been a rough few days for our man. A heavy heart. And it'll be even worse when Lamelo leaves this off-season. But, you know, <laughs> prayers up to him. Um, obviously, really excited to be here. And you know how we kick off every episode with Play of the Week. Jed, do you want to take it away? I think this week, you could probably guess my Play of the Week. The audience could guess it. Yeah. I don't even really need to say it. The Bulls steal. Game two, Giannis goes crazy. I mean, sorry, DeRozan goes crazy. And on the final drive of the game, goes straight at the heart, straight towards Giannis, down the lane, gets the two to fall. Game over. Huge play. That man is a maniac, and I've never been happier to watch him play. Look, I want to address something quickly. Here we go. Off the back of that. Last week, you made a bold claim. (laughs) You said that the Bulls would win the first game of the playoff series and you said that it was your hot take now it wasn't exactly the first game but it was close it was the second I'm claiming it Yeah, I don't care okay because they I'm going to let you have it they almost won game one which was way closer than anyone thought it would be mm. and then yeah they held on and they won game two and it's a series now because well, we'll get to it later, but it's yeah. more of a series than I think anyone expected. Yeah, it's very tempting to get into because it's yeah. it's interesting for me as well. as Like I said, as someone who's a looser fan of the NBA and you know, you're know you a diehard, it's definitely interesting to see how this series is going to play out because I think it's going to be closer as a whole than we all expected. Um, but we'll get into that later in the NBA. Um, obviously, on to me now, play of the week. And my play of the week is... <laughs> A guy who I can imagine is probably a good human, but let's just say I do not like him as a footballer. Why don't I like him? Because he's fucking good. And when there's good players on other teams, they're fun to watch, but fuck, when they tear your heart to pieces a few times, it's hard to fucking love him. One of those guys is Cameron Munster, the Prez, um, the Mad Dog. He is in just all-time form at the moment. The way he played against the Sharks, fucking outstanding. He's... The amount of dummies through the line, his speed, how sharp he looked. He just looks so in... You know, it's like when you watch a surfer who just fucking feels like they're in tune with a wave. Yeah. It just felt like he was in tune with a game of footy, which is really hard to do. And just his team played off the back of him and just fucking outstanding performance. Probably the best performance by any individual in rugby league this year. Yeah, we'll get to it again later, but that one pass he scored, I've never seen one man dummy pass so much and get away with it like... He could sell us to the Eskimos with that dummy pass. That Fucking was amazing. Reminds me of myself in under seconds. Anyways, um, um, kick us off with a run sheet. Yeah, we'll jump into some NRL. You guys know that's our favourite. We'll go through game by game, but a bit different this week. We've got a few headlines before we get into it. Yeah. And the first one is one that Brad is he's stinging to address. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm passionate about this. You know me. I'm a, I'm a loyal man, a loyal friend, and um, good friend of mine, Zachy Lomax. Little incident on the field last week. Don't know if you heard about it. Yeah, you, if you haven't heard about it, get from under your rock and come out and see some sun, <laughs> and listen to a bit a little, little bit of rugby league media, right? But you know, there's a few things. Obviously, Zach made a judgment call in a try celebration to jump on the back of the opposition, Tyson Frizzell. Now, Tyson Frizzell is an old teammate. Yeah, old friend. They're, they're old, and they're not just old teammates. They're old friends. They're mates off the field, right? It's a little bit of banter. Now, whether or not you agree with 
his decision on field to do that. Um, I I don't think he's, and you know, I, I would definitely think it's not of malice. I think it's just kind of his nature is to, like, you know, when Zach and I catch up, there's banter and there's laughs. Yeah. Like, it's kind of part of his character. And, like, if you if anyone's listened to the episode of the podcast where me and his two best mates sat down, the banter between them is incredible. It's kind of who he is as a person, but at the core of it, he's a really good lad. Now, obviously, the media's jumped on the back of this. You'd, you'd almost think the bloke's murdered some people. It's been, between this and the thing we'll talk about next, the Kalen Palmer contract, it's been a banner week for NRL media. Yeah. The journos are just so in their feelings like like you said i was i was more confused than anything when he did it like i was watching the game live and it was kind of like like what's happened sort of thing like yeah watching it as a dragons fan i'm not like oh he's disrespected the the game and the team and he needs to be like taken down a peg it was like oh that was a bit of a weird thing to do but like whatever i thought it was a bit of an overreaction from frizzell too because zach didn't swing at him he didn't yeah he didn't try and trip him or hurt him or anything like he jumped on his back a little bit yeah and you could see the fellow was probably a bit angry at his team's performance a bit angry at his own performance that thing sort of like probably the straw that broke the camel's back a bit Mm. but yeah the media just needs to relax because it's not like he's done anything that was like immoral yeah look and you know and people are going to have their opinions and address it but fuck it's a human being at the end of the day and, and they're rinsing the bloke like he's fucking ready to go stand trial and potentially yeah. face prison like I'm like it's it's a human being he's a great lad and let's not forget Tyson Frizzell origin yeah jumping on Valholm's back after the New South Wales Blues scored a try I'm a blue supporter I fucking loved it what do I, they say about stones and glass houses well that's it and you know, I don't know if it's necessarily Tyson throwing stones, but it's the media. And I think yeah. the media is very, um, they're very quick to forget. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. Zach didn't hurt Tyson at all. He didn't, mm. he, like the team didn't get penalized. He didn't hurt his team at all. Nothing has come from it materially, but it's just the take cycle that we have, especially in NRL media. It's a lot of guys who are very out of touch, very stuck in like the nineties and the early two thousands. It's all about mateship and love of the game and all this bullshit. And it's like, just take a deep breath and relax. Everything's okay. 100%. Like, the game isn't in ruins because a guy jumped on someone's back. And look, and even more so, to add to Zach's highlight right, highlight reel instead of skills, post-Dragons contract, fuck Specky of Doom. There could be an <laughs> AFL deal. You know, we've seen guys like Izzy Folau do it. Ugh. We've seen Carmichael Hunt. Zachy brother, you know, consider it post his contract because fuck, you got some fucking hide on him. That'll be in the headlines tomorrow. Exactly. Local podcaster claims NRL star making code switch yeah. or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of one of the things we want to address. You spoke about that second one. Yeah, so after months of deliberation <coughs> and speculation and uncertainty, the Newcastle Knights have locked down their man. Caelan Ponga signs a $5 million contract, I think, till the end of 2027. I loved this news yesterday. I'm so happy for them. Because, you know, on Sunday, we were all in our group chat mid-game, or just before the game. Yeah. You know, we're sharing these stories of Kalen Ponga, night steal off the table. Then we're all going, oh, looks like the Dolphins. But we, we remember talking, I think we talked about it on the pod last week. They were kind of saying, he, he said in a press conference after the game the week before, I want to stay at Newcastle. Yeah. It's funny how a headline of well, speculation can change everything. Did you read why they were saying the deal was pulled? I think it's his dad. It was... It was So, the Daily Telegraph reported it. And this is what I mean in terms of... It was just such stupid shit. They were saying that the Knights had pulled his contract because his dad had said that he wanted to be the one to announce the news, not Kalen. And, like, if you've got half a brain cell, it's very obvious the Knights are not going to rescind a $5 million contract... Because the dad said, oh, we want to announce it. Like, you're not going to lose out on a franchise guy for five years. But again, it's just the media gets in this, like, he gets it some sort of tunnel vision going. It's like, well, obviously the dad's done this. And now what's happened afterwards, because apparently he didn't let Wayne Bennett know he was signing with the Knights. Now that his reputation is irreparably damaged. Now he's like the bad boy of NRL because he stuck with his home team. Even though two months ago... Bennett was the one that was in the wrong because he was meeting with a player during the season and stuff. Like, yeah, it's just whatever's going on that day. They just pick a fucking name out of a hat about this is the bad guy. Yeah, he's eight headlines about how pick he's ruined the, the game day and run with it. 
Okay, so here's a question I want to roll off the back of quickly on this headline, right? Yeah. Seen a lot of comments on the announcement, and um, there was like a text message thread. I don't know if you've seen that. That Fox, I think it was Fox Sports shared between um, Dad and yeah, between Dad and um, the sort of like I guess whoever secures contracts at Newcastle. Yeah, and there's a little bit of back and forth, and a lot of people said, "Oh, surely he's old enough for his dad." Not to be doing his deals. His dad's obviously his fucking manager, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if anyone's naive enough to think that rugby league players, or athletes for that matter, negotiate their own deals. There might be 1% that do. Um, but 99% of them have a manager who takes care of that. Yeah. When your job is to be a professional athlete, you're not supposed to be worrying about the back end stuff. Sports people in general, like... Yeah. Unless you've got a fucking business degree, you don't want to be dealing with that shit. 100%. You so want someone that knows how it works, so they can be like, oh... This subsection is going to fuck you eight years down the road if this happens. Exactly. They know it, you don't, like... Yeah. And I feel like it did raise, though, a question for me. Whilst your family's always got your best interest at heart, is sometimes that role as a father a little bit close to heart? Like, do you think... Obviously, we don't know Kaylin and his, his dad, Andre's relationship, um, but I know my relationship with my dad is so tight and so close as a father, son, and his mates... I probably wouldn't want my dad to be my manager because there'd be too much emotion involved. Yeah. Like, I would think you'd probably miss more deals because of dad's pride, pride in you as his son and the, the person that he thinks is the best player in the NRL, um, as opposed to a manager being able to handle it in a commercial mindset. Do you think players need to wise up a little bit from a business point of view and treat business as business and family as family? I think it's a little bit of like a every case is going to be a bit different. Like, I don't know what um, Andre's qualifications are. I don't know what his background is. Yeah. But you see it a lot in different sports. Like, I know in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, his uncle, or I think is his manager and stuff like that. And it's like you said, I think sometimes you just need to, as much as you want a manager to be like really close in your life, you need to just be that one step removed so they can make those tough decisions for you. Yeah. Like, I remember watching the Derek Rose documentary a few years ago, and that was one of the big things, was he was giving this piece-to-camera interview about how he loved Chicago. <coughs> and his manager calls him up and goes, hey, look, you're getting traded to the Knicks, like, mid-interview sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, as a ma- like, that was probably the right move for him at the time, and the manager was able to facilitate it and stuff. If that was his dad or a family member, you can imagine there being a lot of pride and emotion in that, and it could have gone a lot uglier. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's something that we used to talk about in real estate a lot, right? As a real estate agent, you never sell your own house. Yeah. You might sell a house for a family member, but it's often hard. And it's the hardest business to do when you sell for family or if you sell for yourself because you're so emotionally attached to the result that you can't think commercially. You can't think with common sense. Exactly. And yeah. emotion clouds business. And. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so it's look, it's it's interesting, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm pumped for the Knights. Whilst the Dolphins need some marquee signings, being a new club, I think Newcastle are starting to build something at the core with a bit of young talent there. Like it's it's great to see Adam Clune back in the side this week. Um, you know, it's great to see Jake Clifford playing some good footy. And yeah. you know, we'll talk about Newcastle going off a, a little bit off track in the last few weeks soon, but. Just, I think, just huge for them and, and for Knights fans too. Yeah, we've, this talked is their about, guy. we've talked about it a bit, but it's just always good, no matter how good or bad a team is, if they've got that one dude they can always rally behind, it makes it easier to watch them lose games and stuff. Because for sure. you can sort of invest in a guy's individual performance and whether he's going to make Origin and like make the Aussie team and stuff. Like It just gives them something, and I'm glad that they get that. For sure. And I'm... Oh, I don't know if this is cynical or being like a bit jaded, but I'm glad Bennett doesn't just get to come in and take like one of the top talents just because, exactly, just because of who he is, and he gets to be like, oh, here come to this new side, like, yeah, go and work for it. Exactly, yeah, go and work for it, Dolphins. Um, and then one tiny little thing: Corey Norman, out of retirement, signed with a team in France. I don't think it moves the needle or anything, but just wanted to cover all our bases. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, happy for Normie. Um, he's been through a tough couple of years and was definitely not playing his best footy in his last few seasons here in, in the NRL. And you know, I met Normie at the start of 2021. Um, was at his house filming some content with um, two of his mates, two of his housemates, Simi and Scope, and really nice dude. Yeah. A um, lot of time, a lot of, a lot of respect for the people around him. And he's a guy who, by his teammates, seems to be really loved and, and appreciated. And, 
you know that we've you know we've seen it this year. Jackson Hastings comes back Ooh. to the NRL, huge performance, which we'll get to in a minute. But sometimes just going away from the spotlight, being over in those countries where the rugby league is a little less cared for, yeah, um, but still a professional environment allows you just to find a bit of yourself again. For sure. And I think, you know, we're seeing it with Mitch Pearce, who, you know, I don't know if we call Mitch a friend of the pod, but, you know, he, he follows a lot to talk about and um, we've had some interaction on Insta in the last couple of weeks. And Mitch, if you're listening, we'd love to have you yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, Mitch, come on the pod. We'd love it. Um, yeah, it's just, I think, you know, he was saying he just feels like he's in a great space and great place there and he's really enjoying his life in France. And I think it's it's nice to see those guys be able to go over reset, and you know if they want to come back to the NRL, I don't know whether that's Normie's plans or not. Come back with a renewed mindset and some confidence again. Um, but if it's just to go over there and enjoy life, um, you know, on the Mediterranean and dude, it's France, you know, like France, go for your life, yeah, my man. If in twenty years someone's like, you want to go to France for a year and just cover sport, I'd be like, fuck yeah, sign me up, hundred like, percent. So yeah, um, into the actual week of footy that we just had. Pretty crazy one, I think. Probably one of the most entertaining ones we've had in a while. You know, we said it last week. It was one of the headlines of the episode. Is this the best season of the NRL? Fuck, it's really shaping to be it, isn't it? Like, the matchups are fantastic. The teams who we don't think can win games or didn't think could win games at the start of the season are beating the teams that should be beating everyone. Yeah. It's so close. There's so much spread of talent. We're seeing new talent form. And this week to showcase what Rugby League has to offer in 22. Well, the crazy thing is we've got a team who hasn't been beat this year and yet it doesn't feel like they're a runaway favourite right now, which is insane. 100%. First game, we had the Rabbitohs beating the Bulldogs 36-16. to 16. Yeah, look, kind of expected. Yeah. That was one of the games of the week that, that felt kind of easy to pick. And, you know, it's, it's still nice to see. One thing that I, that I like to see with a team like the Dogs is, you know, Nobody expects the Dogs to come out and beat the Rabbits at this point in, in their rebuild. But it's nice to see them at least put points on the board. You'd like to see it maybe a little bit tighter. Yeah. You know, if you're a Dogs fan. And, you know, obviously Dogs fans would like to see a win there. But the fact that you win can anywhere. still put a few points away is kind of nice. Yeah. And I think it just builds confidence <clears throat> against good teams when you come into, you know, their coming week um, game, which is actually tonight against the Bronx, which I think will be a much tighter match for the Dogs. Um, so, you know, much expected. Blake Taft seemed to do his job there at fullback for the Rabbits. As, as you we you called predicted. that last week. I wanted to say that. I know he was real good for them. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a real shame that Blake Taft is in a world where Cody Walker um, and Latrell Mitchell are in a team. And Lachlan Ilias seems to have been given the nod ahead of him for that halfback role this year. Um, I think Taft's going to come very useful in the next two months for the Rabbits, and I don't think they'll they'll miss out on too much yeah. of the talent that's required to win games. Um, I would lo- I would love though for him to get a crack. I think it'll come into question at the end of the season. Like if we see a little mid-season slump from the Rabbits, they might even employ a little bit of a situation like the Roosters did last year, where we had Semi Walker and Lockie Lamb sharing a little bit of that halfback role yeah. next to a more experienced half and Cody Walker. Because I think I think Blake Taff has a lot to offer that side and he's very calm under pressure, which you need from a young player in the spine. And he's definitely not a fullback. He's, he's more of a half. But the fact that he can cover that position so well is really impressive. But I'd love to see him get the nod and, and get a little crack at halfback for the Rabbits. Yeah. As much as I hate the Rabbits, I, I really like him as a player. Um, and if it's not at the Rabbits, I'd love to see him get an opportunity um, whenever this contract's over, because I think he'd be very useful for any other club. The Rabbits just seem to have that ability to just produce guys like that. They always seem to have one and two and three deep, just always waiting in the wings for it. They do. They, you know, the Rabbits had a really tough couple of years. You know, in the early two thousands, you know, being exited from the comp and you know thrust back into it and. You know, it, it took them a few years, but really it feels like now, from about 2013 onwards, yeah. we've seen strength in the Rabbitohs side year on year. And, you know, we've seen the, the super coach, as they call him, Wayne Bennett, there for a few years. And, you know, they had a premiership and they had a few very close calls as well. Um, they're definitely one of those teams that you expect to see in the top six, four positions at the end of every season. And um, I've been a little bit more cynical about them this year. 
but they're definitely still showing signs that they can compete with the best. And I think whenever you've got strike players like Cody, Luttrell, Taff, Damian Cook, who's he's been on an absolute tear. Yeah. Let's talk about him. Like He's really stepped up with no Reynolds and no Luttrell in the last few weeks. Like I think Damian Cook plays his best footy when he runs. And you know I heard them talking about it on the Matty Johns post-match wrap-up last night. We've spoken about how good Harry Grant's been this year. He's having an the absolute man. year. The baby goat, as they call him. And, um, you know, has has kind of been predicted to get that nine jersey for Australia this year. And I think Damien's gone, well, fucking hang on. I'm yep. not going to make it that easy for you. Let's make a contest out of it. And I love that those two guys are likely going to show down in origin. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other fella... And, you know, you, we could fucking sidebar, sidebar here. There's this other fella who we'll talk about a little bit later in Reed Marnie. Yes, sir. Who is going to give Damien plenty of competition for the nine jersey at the Blues. So, um, you know, as I was sort of originally leading to, the Rabbitohs have still got plenty of strike power. They're not a team to forget about. And if they can compose themselves and hold strong this next sort of seven weeks without Trell... Um, There'll be every chance at the end of the season. Absolutely. Talking about another team with a lot of strike power. Good transition there. The Panthers beat the Broncos. Were you surprised? Uh, no. No, neither. Um, you know, they're, they're so good. They just, week on week, you know, I won't even go into the Panthers too much this week because we had a really big rap on them last week. Um, but week on week, they just prove why everyone's so hot on them. Yeah. I, w- I would really struggle to think that there's anyone who is a little bit sceptical or suspect of their prospects this year. They just look to be getting better and better and, you know, those Cleary boys are there to stay. Yes, sir. Next up, Seagulls took down the Titans 26-18, to so yeah. close one. Look, it was a close one, but can I just, can I just say? Here we go. What did I say last week? Some of you might remember. You might have seen it on my Instagram story on Saturday evening. My NRL hot take last week was that Manly versus Gold Coast. Either team by eight points or less and over 41 and a half total. Let me tell you, if you put some money on that, you would have cashed in. Did you put money on Um, it? No, I didn't. (laughs) I'm trying not to gamble as much. But I have this week already placed a bet on my hot take for the NRL, which we'll get to at the end of this segment. Because for me, that kind of felt like safe money. I feel like if you look at these two teams right now, they're both scoring a lot of points. Yeah. They're both conceding a lot of points, which means they're going to be in high-scoring games. They've both got X factors. You know, your your man of the hour, David Fafita, oh, over yeah. there at the Titans. Oh yeah. Cherry Evans is on an absolute tear at the moment for Manly. They look really strong in moments. He's on an terrib- absolute daily Terry Evans, is he? Daily Terry Evans. Yeah, not bad <laughs> for me. Um, they. The, the thing about those two teams, which to me says you can't win a competition, is like they just let in way too many points. Yeah. Like, good defence is the backbone of every team who wins a competition. You know, we've seen the two years of Roosters' um, victories where, you know, they could almost bank... They, they, would, they would give away penalties because they trusted their defence on the line so much that yeah. they could defend four sets back-to-back and know they weren't going to let in points. You see it with Melbourne. You see it with Penrith. When they're on, their defence is fantastic. And when your defence is great, you get frustration from your opposition. They get fatigued and you score points. Like good defence is is the foundation for great offence. And it also allows you then to feel like you're not chasing points. You're playing the game that you've set out to play. Yeah. And I, I just don't see that from either of these teams at the moment. The season, as the season goes on, they may tell a different story, but... Especially not the Titans. I think the Seagulls are kind of laying in wait a little bit. I don't know if they've got a bit of a run in them, but yeah. the Titans kind of... Feel, they're not they're not sputtering out or anything, but I think they're just kind of coasting at the moment towards a middle yeah, of the pack finish. Yeah, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. And I think that's I think that's a thing to be said of experience. If you look across the board at those yeah. two teams, there's definitely more experience in the Manly side. And, um, you know, it's I think for Manly fans, they'll get a lot of confidence out the fact that they can win games and at least be close without Turbo there. Yeah. Um, which has been always the question of seasons past. Um, but, yeah, that was a, a great game of footy and really fun to watch. Next up was a game that I thought was going to be game of the round. I think everyone thought it was going to be this in- insane matchup. Cameron Munster said, no, thank you. And the Storm took down the Sharks 34-18. to That was a real statement win, I thought. A real statement win. And, you know, I think... 
I think that game would have been much closer had Cam Munster had a quiet one. Yeah. Um, but he was really the difference for both of those teams. And I think we touched on it in last week's episode, right? Whilst the Sharks were on a hot run... They hadn't run into anyone yet. They hadn't run into that kind of competition. They also don't have that experience across the board that Melbourne does. Yeah. Like, you look at the Sharks and you go, if Hines is on, they're good. If Talakai's on, they're good. Melbourne... If Jerome Hughes, Ryan Pappenhausen, Harry Grant and Cam Munster somewhat do their job, they're going to be very hard to beat. And I think that's really sort of the, the tale of that matchup. Yeah. And that's one thing with the Storm I have sort of noticed is like <coughs> they've just got the benefit of like, yeah, Munster was like a star this game, but last week it was Pap who was just like out of his mind and they can kind of take turns and lean on each other. And, and the thing I love about it is I think because they're humbled so much by the way that Bellamy coaches their side and yeah. and speaks to them, to them as individuals and as a team, you know, Harry Grant came out in the media, I think probably two weeks ago, and spoke about his job when Pappenhausen is on is to make sure that Pappenhausen gets good ball and has opportunity. Yeah. His job when Munster's on is to make sure that Munster gets that ball as early as possible with as much space as possible. Yeah. And the same with Jerome Hughes. They understand that as individuals, they don't need to be outstanding. They need to play their role. They need to recognise when someone else is on. It's playing to your strengths and not your weaknesses, right? Yeah. It's removing yourself from that ego complex of, well, fuck, Munster's having a great game. I need to do something special. Yeah. I need to get the limelight too. It's understanding, well, no, you just need to support him whilst he's on. Yeah. And I think Melbourne do a really good job of that. And it's why they're able to so consistently string wins together because they understand team dynamic as opposed to individual excellence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next up, War- um, Roosters beat the Warriors. Yeah, look, it's it's funny. Benny from Liam E here and I, we were having a chat about this game during the week um, as, a keen, as both keen Roosters men. We're definitely recognising that we're not the team that we have been. And we actually made a prediction. Roosters by eight. Roosters won by eight. They did, yeah. So, bit of quick math there. Yeah, that's another one that I should have put out as a hot take. But it's, yeah, I just, I just feel like the Roosters are that team at the moment that we're getting the two points. Yeah. We're not really doing it in a polished way. Sometimes it's all you need to do. To at the moment, yeah. Um, the Warriors are that team that. Fuck, they're so dangerous. And and I'm really looking forward to their game against Melbourne this week because they're a bit of a hoodoo team for for Melbourne, especially on that Anzac Day clash. There's been plenty of upsets where a, a weaker Warriors side has beaten a good Melbourne side. They're just one of those teams that if you just let your guard down for a minute... Yeah, they've got all the they'll, weapons there. They'll get you. They'll get you. Fanua Blake, he's playing outstanding footy. And I think... Everyone knows that if you've got good go forward, it makes your attack so much easier. Sean Johnson looks good at the back. Reese Walsh is confident. Um, plenty of good pieces to that Warriors puzzle. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this year that the tail of their year will be the team that just gets you or just misses out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they proved you know tough competition for the Chooks and lucky we're able to get it done sort of late with a bit of Sam Walker brilliance. Absolutely. Next up, Dragons beat the Knights. This was a rough one. I think both teams were riding hefty losing streaks, so it was kind yeah. of someone's got to win this one, but they both made it pretty hard for themselves. Yeah, I've seen the boys um, on seen the boys on Saturday. They were having a, a little bit of brekkie before captain's run, and Zachy and I were having a chat, and he's you know he said obviously we need to we need to win this one this week, and and I said how do the boys feel? And he said the boys feel good. We feel confident. Like we're ready to go. Yeah. And I think you've seen that. You know, it was, a, it was a rough first 20 minutes for both teams. Yeah. And then they both sort of switched in. It became a really good game of footy. It was really tight. And I think the Dragons just had that edge. And I actually backed Newcastle, um, but I was gunning for the, for the Dragons. I, I just wanted to see the boys get a little bit of confidence back. And it's, it's those games that you need to win, right? Those close ones. And like we spoke about, there's plenty of controversy and plenty of story to come out of it. But, you know, at home, they had a great crowd there. People were pumped up. Um, I, I started to ask some questions about Newcastle, though. Caelan Ponga, I thought, had a fantastic game considering 
how much spotlight was on him yeah. and how much he would probably carried into that game mentally. Newcastle just seemed to slip off a bit, would you say? I think so, yeah. Ponga had a great try. He had a great try assist as well, but mm. it feels a lot of the time when you're watching them that there's a lot of standing around waiting to see what he's going to do. Like, yeah. I don't think they necessarily have a solid game plan. They're kind of reacting off what he's going to do, which is great. But when he sort of struggles a bit, there's no one else to pick up the slack there. Yeah, they just... You know, we, we watched the first couple games of this year and I was really impressed by um, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, Kurt Mann, those guys in the back row, um, David Clemmer. Actually, Gagai playing, was good as well, sorry. I meant to say Gagai, that. He looked, he looked really he, good. He's been fantastic for them this year. He's probably been their most consistent. Yeah. I, I really like what their forwards were doing at the start of the year. They seem to be providing a little bit of a platform for those younger halves. Now... You know, you can kind of get excited. I think they, they got on a little bit of a high after the Roosters win. I actually don't know if the Roosters win was good for Newcastle or not. Like, I think I think sometimes you beat a good side like the Chooks or a team everyone expects to be good. Yeah. Get a little bit on your high horse. You get a little bit of false confidence and it's kind of like, oh, we can beat anyone. Yeah. And then you maybe start to rest on your laurels a little bit. Like... At the start of season, their kicking game was so good. The first two rounds, they kicked really well. They had structure as a team. That's kind of slipped away a little bit. I think they've just got to get back to simpler footy. Yeah. And people go, oh, but, you know, Kalen Ponga doesn't play simple footy. He's, he's out of the box. He's hard to predict. You never know his next move, as you'd say on TikTok, right? The thing is, though, Kalen Ponga can do that, and he's got more opportunity to do that if the rest of the team just does their job and plays to the game plan. That's it. You don't want a whole team playing like that. But if you've got one dynamic guy and the rest fill their roles really well, that's the recipe for success, I think. Well, 100%. And look, this week they get Adam Clune back. Um, I'm not quite sure how long clune has been out for. I know I think he's been out for maybe a week. Um, he just missed the game against the Eagles. But I think Clune plays a really structured game as a half. And I think with Jake Clifford being the big body that he is, he's a great kicker of the footy, but he's, as opposed to being a ball-playing half, he's more of a running half. Yeah. He's really good when he has a nudge at the line. And I think Clune being back will give him a little bit of that structure so Clifford can play a little bit more of that game. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about soon who they've got coming up this week, but um, it'd be nice to see Newcastle just get back on track. You know, we want those teams in the middle of the comp playing good footy because it makes for great clashes. Yeah. Um, next up, what was the actual game of the round? Tigers-Eels. That was an insane one, so close. You had Mitch Moses try and win the game and miss, and that set up Hastings <coughs> for, I think probably, if I didn't have the Bulls game, that would have been my play of the week. That was yeah. ice-cold shot. I'm going to talk about a few things on this game, right? Shocker. Firstly, yeah, believe it or not, I've got a lot to say. Um, you know, I just spoke by Benny from Lee and me before, and I predicting the Roosters score. One thing that I definitely did not predict that he did was a Tigers win. He said to me straight after that, Tigers para, and I said, I think para's going to put a score on him. Yeah, I wouldn't have ever thought the Tigers would get up here. He goes, I don't know. You know, I criticised last week the the fuss that was made over moving Brooks to six and Hastings to seven. Now, I don't think Hastings had played before this, had he? I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I think he was an inclusion, right? Yeah. I didn't recognise that at the time. I thought they'd just moved Brooks to six and the current six to seven. And I was like, what's the fucking point of that? <laughs> but fuck, they were a different team. Yeah. There's still an issue where way too many points have been let in. Yeah, that's it. It wasn't a masterpiece at all. But... Yeah. And there's definitely an issue for Parramatta, who want to be competition heavyweights this year, yeah. and you're letting in that many points against a, a side like the West Tigers, who have really struggled. But fuck, didn't Jackson Hastings have an absolute ripper of a game? Phenomenal And I love that he made that decision with a few minutes to go not to take the field goal. He sort of hesitated, stepped, and then sort of nudged a little kick through the line and was going to try yeah. and get that repeat set. Too much weight on it. Everyone thought that was kind of going to be the demise of the West Tigers in that game. But he really took his moment again. And I watched his post-game interview last night. The thing that I loved was he was so humble in it. I think Jacko's come a long way in a couple of years. And he's 
his nature. He's actually a really good fella. We've had a chat when he was um, just back here for two weeks before England. We tried, he was going to come on the pod, but we just couldn't get dates together. Uh, He's a really good guy. And I remember playing against Jackson at the age of six, seven. And I fucking hated him because he was so good. I thought, fuck, I hate playing this guy because he's so good on the field. Like, he's always been talented. Yeah. And to see him have the confidence to step up, take that kick, mind you, from 42 out. Oh. Like, absolute cracker. Stone he absolutely slotted hey. it. Um, but he was so humble in that post-match interview, and I love that he said, Brooksy played great today. Yeah. So let's get off his back for a week, hey? I love that he stood up and had the back of his teammate who's you know he could have very easily in that moment gone yeah you know i wanted to get it done for the boys i stepped up you know played the hero role the typical he played the teammate role he played the you know we're better as a team we're better when we're when we're all on and i really hope that we see a little bit of um courage and strength off the back of this performance for the Tigers. That'll do wonders for their chemistry and their locker room as well. Because oh, if you get the new guy coming in, hitting the moment, everyone's stoked. But if he then goes and says all that sort of stuff, there's going to be a bit of like, all right, settle down, mate. Yeah. But if you see him, biggest moment of career, go out there, back all of you guys. Like, you know, you can't help but love that. You know, Jackson Hastings went to, you know, we spoke about it just before with Corey Norman, going overseas. Jacko left Manly, had some issues there, went over to... England played for Salford. Salford were about to be relegated. He saved them from relegation. He, be- I'm, I'm telling you now, you speak to people who are in that world over there. He was a fucking hero. Cult figure, hey. That they loved him. Like the the fan. If you see footage of him in um, the Super League, the fans love Jackson Hastings. They would have been devastated to see him come back to Australia. You know, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. This is a guy who, you know, and I loved him when he was at the Chooks. I thought he's he's always had some real class to his game. He's a really confident player. And I just hope he can pull this Tigers team together as a team. Yeah. Because I never want to see a team in 16th, unless it's Souths, um, just get beaten every week. Yeah. Because that's not fun to watch. You know, you almost, it's always like, oh, it's a dead rubber match. The punching you know? bag, sort of, yeah. Exactly. So, fucking good on the Tigers. Um, love that they feel like they've got a bit of confidence back. And then, last game that we're going to talk about, the first game of this round, the Sharks bounced back and got business done against the Seagulls. Would you say that is not the textbook definition of a game of two halves? You know what? I think the boys really gave 110% out there. Yeah. Oz were against him in this one, coming into it. Cronulla, um, Manly, sorry, had won 18 of 21 against the Sharks. Not tonight, though. No. The Sharks got it done. It's... I don't know if you watched the game. I missed the first half because I was doing some work. Some I watched editing. a bit of the second half of it, yeah. Like, it was really like... Firstly, let's talk about Talakai. He's outstanding. He looks so good in the centres. He's destructive. He reminds me of that. He's similar to like, we're starting to see this with a few centers in the competition. Guys like him, Katoni Staggs, those bigger body centers who are so destructive when they yeah. run the footy. Reminds me of like a Conrad Hurrell. He's just got that extra little bit of class, like so destructive. Um, you know, I think they were 30 or 32 up at the half. Mm-hmm. Then Manly comes out and puts 24 points on him. Well, that was the thing. I sort of looked at the halftime score and was like, oh, there's no point in tuning in now. Checked again at like 9.40 and it was like a 10-point game or something. Like, what the fuck's happened to you? Yeah, I watched probably 30 minutes of the second half and I thought Manly done really good to get some confidence back. Yeah. But it's kind of what we led to earlier in in the episode. I think both of those teams, Sharks are definitely a contender this year, but they're just letting in too many points and you can't... You can't be on for a half and off for a half against good footy sides. Like, yeah. I think, had that have been another Melbourne game or a Penrith game last night for Cronulla... You don't hold that I lead, think, eh? I think... Oh, I don't even think you, you get, get that the, yeah. lead. You can't be even slightly complacent against one of those two teams, you know. And, you know, maybe against a, a Penrith side, the Sharks score 12, 18 points in a ripper first half. And you fucking let your guard down for a minute at the end and you end up They'll losing 40 to 18, yeah. you know. So, um, but great game of footy to watch. Fuck, it was very entertaining. Um, 
and plenty of good dynamics there and plenty of good footy. So really looking forward to this week. I guess we'll give a quick preview of the games to come without... We'll just I think this is round seven we're going into. We are round seven. That's I'll call out the game. That's insane that we're we'll around seven. So quick it's gone. I'll call out the game and we just say who we think is going to win. Here we go. All right? Bronx Dogs. Bronx. I'm going to go Bronx as well. Cowboys Titans. 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 Tigers Rabbits. 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 Sorry, Tigers. Knights Eels. 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 Panthers Raiders. Panthers. The Panthers, of course. Chooks Dragons. Chooks. Dragons. That's going to be a great game. Yeah. Storm Warriors. Uh, Storm pretty easily, I reckon. I'm going to go Storm in a close one. So here's my prediction. The Anzac Day game's always fantastic. There's so much hype that goes into those games because of what that day means yeah. to these players and to everyone in Australia and NZ. Um, that they're too, If you're going to watch... If you're listening to this and you're not an NRL fan, the you're going to sit down and watch a day of footy, Anzac Day has to be the day. Um, my hot take for the week, which we'll finish this up with, I guess is tonight's games. I think they're going to be the two closest games of the week. Really? Broncos and Dogs and Cowboys and Titans. We're going to put a same game multi on here. We're going to put a big multi on, right? Both of those games, either team to win by six or less. Mm -hmm. And for the Bronx Dogs, you're going to pick it unders, which I think the line was like 39 and a half. Um, and for the Cows Titans, I think the line was like 41 and a half. Pick it overs. Yep, I like it. Just one quick little stat here before we move on. I think you'll like this. Each of the Roosters' last five defeats to the Dragons have come on Anzac Day. Yes. So I got some, I got some renewed confidence in our boys heading into it. Well, well, here's the thing that you love about Anzac Day is that either a Roosters or Dragons supporter. It doesn't matter where your team is on the ladder at that point in the year. You can be you can be looking at a, a matchup between first and sixteenth. Yeah, I guarantee you it's close. Every year it is close. It doesn't matter where they're at, how good they've been playing, they find their best for that game of footy. And fuck, some of the finishes have been amazing over the last few years. Fox Sports done a highlight of like the four or five best finishes to Anzac Day clashes over the last couple of years. Amazing, but nothing will beat Roosters being down. Brad Fittler, dummy of doom, through the line, scores a try near the post, get the Roosters back in front. I don't know. I think Ben Cray's game winner might have yeah, might, might pip at the post there. That crushed me <laughs> when Michael Wayman offloaded and Ben. I fucking cried. I think. Um, so yeah, great great week of footy ahead, and what a good week it was. Yes, sir. Talk about some basketball now. Yeah, this first hoops. week of playoffs has been insane. For everything I talked about, how the last month was pretty pretty dead this last week of hoops has been phenomenal started off we'll chat about the celtics net series including jason tatum hitting the first ever boston celtics playoff game winner how good so this game was on at 5 30 a.m right i was like yeah i'll wake up watch it woke up watched the first half fell asleep somehow woke up with maybe a minute left in this game got it up and got up pretty much to see the last possession. So Have can you I ask, what did, you just said they're their first ever playoff. Buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, have you seen the full play? No, I haven't. It was insane. There's probably 10 seconds left. Three different guys touched the ball. Marcus Smart, who just got awarded the defensive player of the yeah. year, which is pretty sick too. Fakes, two guys jump. Everyone in the entire world thinks he's going to shoot this. He passes to Jason Tatum who catches, without dribbling, spins on one foot round Kyrie and lays it in to beat the buzzer with like Oose. 0.5 of a second left. It was insane. That's clutch. It right? was one of those ones you watch and you're just sitting there trying to figure out what happened. after. Like You're watching replays and it doesn't feel real. That's so good. I like Tatum, eh? He is the dude. He is, every single year he's taken another step. I think next year he's probably going to be solidly <laughs> in that MVP conversation. I love that. Um, second game, the Celtics won as well. I don't think it's panic text time for the Nets yet, but you would have liked to see them get one of those games, considering how close they both were. There's a bit of talk about Ben Simmons being back for Game 4. There is, yes. I don't know. It kind of feels like they keep dangling the carrot on us with Ben. Yeah. First it was, oh, he'll be back in a few weeks, and then it was, he'll be back for the play-in, then he'll be... Do you know what I mean? It just feels like they keep moving the goalposts a little bit more every time. Do you think if they cop a third... Has Game 3 been yet? Uh, no, I think that's tomorrow. Okay, so do you think if they lose Game 3, Ben Simmons comes back, whether it's early or not? No. 
I think I don't think a team has ever won a series from down 3-0. Like they're like zero and hundred and fifty or something. Okay. So I think if they win tomorrow and it's two one, Ben might. If they lose, I don't think he's okay. He's no chance. Fair play. We'll talk about your fellas as well. Yeah, that Embiid shot. Holy fuck. I guess for him, it's just cementing why a lot of people believe he should be the MVP this season, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've seen the huddle just before that shot. Doc Rivers calls a play um, to an absolute T. Joel hits it. And, yeah, the Sixers, another win. Seven footers should not be able to do that. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That's another one where every game in that series has been close, but Philly are now up 3-0, so... They, for all intents and purposes, moved on to the second round. Yeah, which is which is nice to see. I think if you can get those quick yeah. victories in these early playoff series, um, keeps you fresh, right? Yeah, you don't want to be mean to the Raptors, but it definitely did feel like almost a practice series for the Sixers. Yeah. Just get those reps in, get the guys all playing together. Harden's been pretty good, considering yeah. his playoff choking allegations. Yeah, but he's he's actually looked really fun. And yeah, so they'll. I don't know if they'll win the next one. I can see Raptors maybe getting one game, but they won't win the series. So, yeah. but let's talk about the Bulls. Talk about your boys. Holy fuck! I nearly wore my Chicago Bulls vintage jumper today. <sighs> no, you got to wait. For, I, wait till we win the series, yeah, then you can wear that one. That's what I thought. I got to wait. You know, my nuts were in my fucking throat for I that bet. entire second half. I bet. The thing about this matchup is that lead never once felt safe. We were up sixteen points. And I was just as nervous as when we were up three. It's like when you know, you're like, mm, I'm suspiciously too yeah. far ahead here. It, And that's the thing, the way that that game played out. The sec- So the first game was real close. Both teams just played like dog shit. They hadn't played for 10 days. I think every single player, except for Giannis, shot like sub fucking 35% or something. Hmm. But yeah, the second game, talking about, the Bulls would go up big, and then the Bucks would get to tie it or to three points then they'd go again and it just kept feeling that, and that's what I meant every time we'd go you're like it's only a matter of time and because the Bucks are such good shooters it'd only take them two or three possessions to get back nine points yeah. to get back like I think I tweeted it they they go on little five point runs so easily because Giannis if he's got a foot anywhere inside the three point line he can dunk it like his fucking arms are so extendo it's not funny so he'll do one of those, and then someone will just randomly hit a three because every single person on that roster is like a forty percent three shooter. From Fantastic Four. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it just they—it's very clear why they're the reigning champs, right? Like they—they're yeah. built for it. But the Bulls, fucking their mentality was unbelievable. Caruso, after a bit of an iffy end to the season, was—he yeah. was lights out. He was locking up Chris Middleton. He had ten assists or something. Took a game-winning charge on Giannis. He looked unbelievable. Can I just say quickly, don't we live for this in sport? There is nothing... doesn't matter whether you support that specific sport or that specific team. We all love an underdog story. Yeah. Like, an, there's something about, like, example last year. Everyone, bar me and the other Rams supporters, <laughs> wanted Cincinnati... To beat us in that Super Bowl. Because everyone yeah. loves the underdog story. The story of the team that wasn't supposed to do it and found that little bit extra to win a game or to win a series. Absolutely. I fucking hope with all my heart that the Bulls can get this done. And so the big news out of that one, obviously the Bulls won. So it's 1-1 heading back to Chicago. Home court will be huge there because I don't know if you know this or not. Because Milwaukee is so close to Chicago... The crowd at Milwaukee home games when the Bulls play is already like a third to half Bulls fans. Okay. Like, DeMar was getting MVP chance at one point. Okay. But Chris Middleton is now out with an MCL sprain, which sucks because it means that even if the Bulls do somehow edge out this playoff victory, it's always going to be, oh, but Middleton was injured. There'll always be that asterisk. But on the other side of that, Caruso was clamping Middleton. He was all over his shit. Now that he's out, that means that Caruso probably jumps on Drew or someone like that. Yeah. It's just obviously it's just that one less guy that the Bulls have to worry mm. about. I think that gives us a real legitimate shot here. So how do you see this series playing out? I think we probably split the two games at the UC. I reckon it almost goes Bucks will win the next one because they're coming off of the defeat, so they're going to be real chip on their shoulder vibes. Mm. And then the Bulls come out for Game Four at home. They're really fired up. I don't know. The real optimistic part of me wants to say, like, Bulls in six, 
but that is kind of just my hangover from yesterday talking about yeah. how I I think it goes to seven now without Chris. I think if yeah. the Bulls can keep this mentality and this edge that they've been playing with, we can take it to seven. I don't know if we can win it. And look, and here's the thing. If you win a series against the defending champs, you get so... That's like we spoke about. That I will be confidence. unbearable. Like, if you guys listen to home think that I'm, like, over the top now, if we take down the Bucks, You'll be you guys won't want to listen up, to, like, five episodes of this You'll podcast. Be up, hey? Holy shit. So, yeah. Game three of that's on Saturday. Nice. I think game four's on Monday at 3 a.m., so... Something to look forward to. Tune into a bit of NBA playoffs see, yes, series, sir. eh? The Heat took down Atlanta. They're going to sweep this series. Atlanta just don't have it. Jimmy went for 45 in the second game, which was crazy. Huge. But Atlanta got in in the play-in, and they're going to get out just as quickly, I think. Devin Booker's out. He is... I think he's done something to his hamstring, which means he's probably out for the rest of this first-round series. And the Pelicans have evened at 1-1, which is pretty shocking, I reckon. Pretty scary. Pretty scary. The Pelicans won a play-in, didn't they? Yeah. It's almost the exact mirror situation of that Bulls one. Obviously, yeah. the Bulls didn't go in the play-in, but yeah, 1-1 at home. The underdog came in. Now the top team has got an injury that's pretty scary. Yeah. I think Phoenix will still win in probably five or six. Yeah. But the Pelicans are no joke, man. I think they've shocked people a lot more than people assumed. I think it's... The, the one thing that I think people forget, right, is even, even for Phoenix to come out and win this in six... Right? Yeah. When they probably should have won it in four. Yeah. That extra two games on the legs really, like, adds up yeah. as you start to get into these big moments and really tough games. And, you know, Phoenix have definitely got the class. I can, I can imagine CP3 is going to really step up here. But it's like they're two extra games you don't want to have to have. Well, what it really reminded me of was, I think, 2019, the Warriors, they the, the, the final KD year. They were this fucking juggernaut team. They go up against this Clippers team in round one that had no all-stars. No one thought they were a chance. And they took two games from them. And like you said, they got it done in the end, went to the finals. But I think a few guys went down injured and that, Toronto ended up winning because they just they were juiced out. Yeah. And you, you think about it now, like, yeah, if they got those two games back, that kind of just puts everything sort of... 100%. Speaking of the Warriors, they might come out of the finals. Well, they might come out of the West, man. They look vintage. I don't know if you watched any of the Denver game, but they look like the 2016-17 Warriors. No, I didn't, but I, I, I'm here in the chat and you know, a lot Steph of confidence had, on Jordan Poole's face. Yeah, Poole is incredible. I, at the start of the year, called Poole as most improved player. For some reason, he didn't get nominated as a finalist, but he just had, I think, combined 60 points in his first two playoff games. Yeah, awesome. Steph had 30 off the bench because he's coming back from injury still. Clay looks unreal. And Draymond is just clamping the shit out of Jokic. I loved, I loved watching that post-match interview with Jordan Poole where the um, the journal asked him, I think Steph missed two free throws yeah, or something. Yeah, two he technical goes, oh, free throws. You know, game on the line, who's taken the free throws after Steph missed two? And he goes, no comment. <laughs> I, love, I fucking love that. And I think that's a really good sign of good locker room chemistry yeah. too, right? Like... When you can have a little bit of a joke with your yeah. boys and... Well, I don't know if you saw Steve Kerr, the coach, got asked that too. Yeah. And he was like, oh, the boys can sort of fight it out between them. Yeah. And then they asked Steph and Steph goes, no, I'm taking them. Like, yeah. But yeah, they all love each other. They've got one of the best locker rooms. And That's awesome. If they keep playing like this, they look pretty unbeatable to me at the moment, especially with this Phoenix injury. But yeah, it's a really good point. Um... Jalen Brunson drops 45 on the Utah Jazz, and the Dallas Mavericks tie that up 1-1 without Luka. Fuck, we're really just in for a great playoff series, it's aren't we? It's like, incredible, dude. These, these little wins and like extra bits of competition we didn't expect, the underdogs are really stepping up. Yeah. And you know we stress for the Mavs without Luka. Um, and it's probably going to be similar to what we said. One of those situations where they'll win a couple games and make it close. Yeah. But, you know, the expected team will leave the series. Well, I thought this series was a wrap, to be honest with you. Like, Utah are good enough that they should have been able to close these out. So I've got pretty real worries about them. Luca's out. I think the third game's today. If you're listening to this, it's probably already happened. So you can let yeah. me know how that went. But Luca, I think, is out today. But he might be back for game four. And if mm. Dallas can extend that man... Like, if Luka comes back, I think that flips and um, Dallas become the favourites. 
Like, I think Utah really needed to sort of lock up those two games without him, and they just couldn't do it. Fuck, I'd love to see Luca come back. I fucking hate Utah, so anytime yeah. they lose, I'm happy. I fucking love Luca, so and then, let's go Mavs. Keep him in the game. Yeah. And then finally, Memphis-Minnesota 1-1 as well. This was one a lot of people that know basketball talked about. Um, Memphis are the highest seed, obviously, but they don't match up well with um, Minnesota. Obviously, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns is going to do some damage there. But in the second game, Memphis made a really, really um, heady adjustment. They took out Stephen Adams and went smaller, and Minnesota just didn't know what to do. They, their yeah. whole game plan was around attacking this one guy. Yeah. And so it's pretty brave to take your starting center and sit him because you know what's happening, but it worked for him, and that's tied up now. And I loved Jar's post-game where he said... He's all fucking doubted us after game one. Anyone who's on the bandwagon now, we don't want you. Yeah. Well, after game one, when Jar went shit, he was tweeting out photos of MJ with the baseball bat from the last dance. He was... You could tell it really rattled him, the fact that he didn't play how he wanted to. I fucking love watching that guy's highlights. I would run through a wall for Jar. He is incredible. And I love he's always got his little one on his hip. Yeah. You know? It's fucking mad. Good to see. My hot take here, we talked about just before... I think the Dallas Mavericks will hold on even without Luke. I think they can win at least another two games without him. Let's go Mavs. Talk about some combat sport very quickly. Sad news out of the UFC. Rob Whitaker is out of the Vittori fight. He's got an injury in his training camp. Yeah, I seen this yesterday. Do you know what the injury was? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, but... I didn't get a chance to properly read it. It's obviously really sad for Whitaker because... You know, this has been, I guess, a consistent story over yeah. the course of his last few years. Like he... He's he's definitely that second guy in the middleweight division, right? But he just keeps... His progress is a little bit halted. And look, it's not the end of the world because he's just come off a loss to the champ, so it's not like he's missing out on potential contention again. Um, but, you know, you want to see the Reaper out there winning fights and fighting the best dudes, and him versus Vittori would have been an absolute fucking show. Yeah. Um, Both those guys have got so much heart. It's just an unnamed injury at the moment. Yeah. But especially after Rob goes up against Izzy and kind of gets sent back down again, you want to see him get some other wins on the board, exactly. get some momentum up. I don't know if he's going to get another title shot, but you don't want to see him fall out of the ranks completely. For sure. That's Do you all. think they find someone to fight Vittori? Well, Vittori tweeted out tagging a few other opponents, but I don't know if they're going to actually try and get those or they're just going to push the fight back. Yeah. He tagged Kimeyev, Darren Till, Mick Maynard, and whoever this is. Not Jared Kennedy? Ali Abdelaziz. Yeah, okay. He's oh, he's a manager, too. actually. Yeah, sorry. Ali's, um, Ali's the guy that managed Khabib and all that. Yeah, okay. Um, with, anyways. <laughs> that's all the UFC news. Not no, any, no big cards or anything this week. Bit of boxing, too. Paul Gallen. Australia's favourite boxer, apparently, is back. He's going to contend for the Australasian title fight. But what we actually give a fuck about are the two other fighters that are on this card. Fuck yeah. Friend of the pod, Harry Garside, wasting no time. He just wants to take on everyone in Australia this year. Spoke to Haz yesterday. Um, I fucking... You know what? He's very impressive as an athlete. But fuck, I'm so impressed with that guy as a human. Yeah. Like, he had a post up of his hotel room, and he's like, always leave a room how you found it. Look fucking immaculate. And I just think this guy is such a role model. I just, honestly, I can't speak more highly of him. And had a good chat to him yesterday, and just his headspace. We're talking about a few books and podcasts, and his headspace is so bang on. Yeah. I just, I just want with all of my heart to see this guy succeed and be a great champion because... That's a guy who, in the spotlight, makes the world a better place. Yeah, and guys with that mentality are always going to succeed because they don't need it for themselves. Does that make sense? Like, 100%. Like, if he it's was a guy... bigger than the fighting. Exactly. Like, he would love to win, obviously, but if he loses, he's not going to have a silk and cry <laughs> and get really upset. and Not cry. Obviously, emotions are okay and yeah. stuff, but he's not going to... You see these boxers sometimes, they lose the fight and they sit in there being like, I was robbed or like, oh, it was I knew I won and yeah. stuff. He's got that right mentality where he can take a loss if it comes and it won't really rattle him. No ego, total ownership. And that's why I think he's just going to be unbeatable because it's the thing he does and he just does it to perfection. You know, the thing that has copped a bit of criticism for last fight was what some said was a lack of power. I know I definitely wouldn't want to cop one of his punches, but I think coming from the world that he comes from in amateur Olympic boxing, right, it's heavily judged by point scoring 
But I think the best fighters aren't the fighters who can knock you out in a punch, but the fighters who fucking just time and time again hit you because it wears away at you. Yeah. And he's so fit that it's not like by round 11 he's got no power. Well, that was... He's still fucking hitting you. In his last fight, he could have gone 50 rounds. He wasn't sitting between rounds. I don't think he sweated. You look at a guy like Tyson Fury, everyone's like, Deontay Wilder's going to knock Tyson Fury out because Deontay's got all this power. What if he fucking hits him? Yeah. Well, what if he doesn't and Tyson boxes you from the outside and absolutely fucking classes you for 12 rounds? Yeah, I don't... I don't think it's ever good to put your faith in a what-if in a a fighting sport because it's not like a random street fight with a what-if. These are guys that have been trained to be in the ring and do all these things. You want the guy that knows what he's doing, that has the strategy because Mm. he can what-if too. Like, they can catch you and knock you out too, but then they've also got this other entire repertoire too. I think what we see in Australia so often, I think if Harry Garside was US boxer, everyone's this guy's so skilled in australia yeah we're used to seeing these footy players um who credit to them for stepping in the ring fucking all the credit in the world yes but they're kind of the glorified boxers of australian boxing yeah and we expect these big guys that are brawling each other without much technique and kind of that's glorified more than if you really love the art of boxing and the sport of boxing to watch a guy like harry in the ring for 12 rounds is this fucking poetry emotion. Well, it's because I think footy fans that watch it all think they can be boxers if they watch those guys. Yeah. They're like, oh, I've had a pub fight. That's how they fight in the ring. I can do it. Yeah. You watch a guy like Harry, who's the fittest man on earth. He's so quick. He's so skilled. Yeah. They're never going to be that. So then in their head, it's either admitting like, oh, I'm not that good or he's just not doing it properly. And it's 100%. just the easy way out is like, oh, he doesn't have the power of like Paul Gallen. Yeah. It's a two-edged sword with this footy boxing thing. Because on one side, it's helping all these actual up-and-coming boxers get this exposure they might not have had. Like, if Harry was fighting on a card by himself, I don't think, unfortunately, it gets the viewership of this Paul Gallen card. Of course. But at the same time, that's kind of why, because people are just going to tune into the boxing NRL shit. It just kind of taints a little bit, Definitely. so I don't know. I don't know where I come down on it, really. And look, has an eye when he was on um, my pod October last year. We, we had a conversation around the Jake Paul, Logan Paul stuff, right? Yeah. And he was like, you know, obviously I want to see real boxers get the admiration and love they deserve. However, it's great for our sport. Yeah. And I think he probably recognises the opportunity of coming under these guys who get a lot of media. And yeah. I think very quickly, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Bang it. Before long, because of the human being that Harry is and his character and his active... His active um, social media presence um, for all the good that he does on there. I think before long, he won't need those guys to headline cards for him because I think the nation will fall in love with a guy like Harry. Yeah, before Far quicker than they've, you know, taken to a guy like Tim Zhu. Because Tim Zhu is just kind of a boxer. He's less vocal yeah. about otherworldly issues and opinions. Um, and look, Harry's got, if anyone knows Harry, he's got a legs full of tattoos with um, like legendary boxers Boxing faces on names, it yeah. I think one day he'll be he, on his own leg I don't know if he's going to be on his like own leg else. <laughs> but he'll be on someone else's I think he'll be on plenty of young aspiring Australian boxers absolutely legs. well the comparison I was going to make is even with Cambosis who's, who's obviously the golden boy of yeah. Aussie boxing at the moment a few years ago he was on these gallon cars and stuff like yeah. I, yeah and Harry is young and he's incredible he's definitely definitely got the got the ability to sort of just go straight up and pass them and headline yeah. his own cards and you know i think it's exciting that we've got a few guys who are doing that at the same time because yeah you know harry george those kind of guys can get together and and really rally around aussie boxing and and this sport for us a sport that i fucking really enjoy it the last year has been a, a huge bounce back I it's been massive for us um nikita zoo's also going to be on that card yep I think it's his second profile or something, so it'll be good to watch. Looks like he's got plenty of talent, plenty of yeah, skill. Got the, um, can't the family, wait to see that. Family business. And then what I'm most excited for in boxing, Jake Paul has called out Sonny Bill Williams. I've never well, been more excited. Hold on. Fury Joshua, nah, give me this. Should I should I stop you there? He's actually not called out Sonny Bill Williams. He's called out Sonny Williams from oh, that's Australia. Right. That's right, sorry. And I'm like So uh, close. Close, but also not from Australia. Yeah, also, also a little bit off. Um, I don't know. Obviously, fuck, I'd love to see that happen for Sonny because yeah. that would be fucking bank. 
it makes no sense for Jake Paul because Sonny Bill Williams has zero of the audience um, and all the leverage is in... As much as I love Sonny Bill, he's a legend, all of the leverage is on Jake's side. Yep. Um, and I think it's probably more so Jake trying to get at the Fury camp. And I also Sonny think... With Fury. Sonny would... All, I think Sonny would beat Jake too. So it's Jake taking a fight no one's going to watch for him to lose. So Yeah, yeah it's, 100%. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a fight that's going to happen, but... I think it's more so just to fucking play with yeah. the, the Camp Fury, you know? That's all for combat sport. Not much going on, but, you know, always something to chat about when you're in the blokes in their balls room. Always. One off-season the thing that really caught our eye, Debo Samuels has requested a trade from the 49ers, which is pretty shocking considering I think that franchise had invested a lot in his future being there. I think he caught sure. a lot of people by surprise that he's looking to looking to get out. He was very, um, very quiet on the reason why and didn't want to comment on it. Yeah. Um, will be interesting to see where he ends up. But, um, you know, I'm an NFC West guy. So as long as he doesn't end up someone else there, unless it's the Rams, of course. I've heard the Bears... The Bears looking for someone like him, so, you know. Yeah. Eh, eh. Fucking let's hope so. I, I would, your boys need a little bit of yeah. love, you know. Debo was incredible last year. We didn't talk about him much, yeah. but he was just one of those guys that he's multifaceted, multi-positional, really hard to scheme against. He was, I think, probably San Fran's best player. I think he's going to make a lot of noise wherever he ends yeah, up. Yeah, fair call. And then, fit of the week, we're given a double. We're given a one-two punch here. A bit of a, a bit of fry, good night. Exactly. A bit of a condolence award to a man who's gonna miss the rest of the first round we talked about. Devin Booker. He doesn't he doesn't have the same fashion sense as a lot of these <coughs> other NBA guys. But he dresses very, very stylishly. I'm a big fan of D Book's fashion sense. Yes, sir. The two that we're talking about. The first one was wearing it was like a seafoam green suit. Just looked absolutely ravishing. He's a fucking good looking human. He, I don't know if you've seen it, but even like he does, he did a video with Architectural Digest about his house he's got. Yeah. He's got this incredible car collection. He's just a really, like, I know, aesthetic is a really overused word, but I think he's just got an incredible one. Yeah, for sure. And then the second fit, just a nice sweater, chain, these long flowing white shorts, which I think if anyone else on the planet wore them would look like a fucking idiot. But he manages to pull it off. Yeah. High dress socks and what look like some loafers or some dress shoes. Looks phenomenal. Fuck. What a man. What a man. What a man. Hey, but you know what the best fucking fashion choice is? What's that, sir? Confidence. Amen. Wear it with confidence. It'll happen. And some AirPods listening to blokes in their balls. That's it. Every week. Every week. Without fail. Every day, baby. <laughs> blokes in their balls by night, by day. Yes, sir. As someone once said about Joe Rogan. Anyways... Um, thank you so much for tuning into this week's app. Obviously, always great to have you guys listening, loving what we do. Um, we'll continue to deliver this content week on week. Like I said, we've hit a bit of a lick and some consistency now. So we're looking forward to staying on top of it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend of sport. Enjoy your Anzac Day. Um, remember to watch a bit of footy this weekend. Watch a bit of NBA playoffs. And we'll catch you next time. Yes, sir. Bye.